This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I said. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today, as always, is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. And today we have special guest Andy, a.k.a. First Time Trek, from Twitter. Hi. Yep. Nice to see you. Yeah. Or hear you? Yeah, it's it's great to uh to for you to join us today. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I had the idea a while ago. It just it took me a while to uh to present it to you. For those who don't know, Andy is going through Star Trek for the first time. Uh, she finished TNG. She started with TNG. We'll get onto that. Uh, now she's watching TOS. She just finished the first season last night. So we're here to get her completely unbiased opinion. Well, biased, biased to her, but not biased like by nostalgia <laughs> or anything about the first season and just the first season of Star Trek. Because it's hard for us having grown up with them or, you know, Mike watched them all in a row. I grew up with random episodes and then watched them all in a row. So it's hard for us to remember even what the first season is and how it might play to someone here in 2014. So I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yay. <laughs> so you've seen next generation already. Yeah. I started with next generation. Um, I kind of regret that. I, when I started, I didn't think this would, was going to be a thing. Like I, I was more doing it for myself. Like I thought it would be fun. And um, I thought maybe like, 10 people might follow me on Twitter. And then it turned into something a bit more than that, which surprised me. I'm not sure why I decided next generation first, except for I kind of had it in my mind that that was the most popular one. So I figured I'd start with that. Um, and then it wasn't very far into next generation that I was like, Oh, I should have started with the original series. Um, so when I finished next generation, Everyone was like, oh, you're going to go on to DS9 Voyager. I'm like, nope, I am correcting my mistake. I'm going back to the original series. So um, that's why uh, that's why I did it that order. I will be more thoughtful from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, then just, uh, just jumping ahead, you know, a bit of time then before you make another mistake, um, which everyone makes, when you get to Deep Space Nine and Voyager, are you going to watch them in the original air order? Like, are you going to go back and forth between the two series? Or are you just going to watch, like, all of Deep Space Nine and then all of Voyager? I was planning on doing all of Deep Space Nine and all of Voyager. Okay. I ha I thought about layering them. Um, I just feel like that would be pretty complicated. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's Star Trek for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the layering would have been useful in Next Generation because there's some... Like, you've seen Bashir in, yes. in, in TNG, and I've not even seen that episode, and I've watched all of Deep Space Nine. So. <laughs> Alexander Siddig is hot. <laughs> Just wait. Just wait. Okay. <laughs> I will. Well, okay, so, so, okay, when you were watching Next Generation, you know, for the episodes, the very few episodes that might... Uh, be somewhat reliant on having seen the original series did you kind of go back and familiarize yourself with what they were no talking okay i didn't um but i can tell you that the moment that i really really realized that i had made a huge mistake i've made a huge mistake is that um i did not realize that sark was spock's dad yeah that was fantastic when you realized that Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. Um, and I immediately just got an outpouring of LOL. 
everybody was mocking me but I just, I had no idea. And, you know, I had people have to remember officially, right? I, I'm not supposed to know who Spock is because I haven't actually seen it. Right. So it was, it was kind of weird. And then that's when I was like, oh, no, I should have totally started with the, the original series. I also didn't know who Scotty was um, when he came on. I was like, who's this random Scottish man? <laughs> Everybody seems to be in awe of him, but. <laughs> yeah and and everyone was like no you must know scotty i'm like i have not seen it guys so it was it was uh it was not a the greatest viewing order to start with but um i'm starting to to correct that so i'm interested had you started like now you're done with season one had you started with tos season one would you have been interested in going on or is there just is it too cheesy too goofy and maybe you wouldn't have finished well, I I think that's kind of what was in my mind when I picked Next Generation. Um, as I was like, it's more modern. It probably won't be as cheesy. Um, but I didn't have a whole lot of problems with the original series. Um, the first half was a little tough. Uh, I did gain more momentum towards the middle. But bear in mind, too, that I'm a Doctor Who fan. So uh, old-timey... crappy television. <laughs> and I like Doctor Who. I like Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. I mean, old-timey, cheesy special effects and over-the-top, you know, sci-fi is my bread and butter, so I, I didn't have a, a real problem. I mean, some of my favorite Doctor um, of the original Doctor Who is the first Doctor. So I've seen a lot of, like, claymation TARDIS <laughs> stuff, so it wasn't that bad for me. Can you believe that those were made like around the same time? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can. <laughs> I mean, but look at the restoration that we've had for Star Trek. You know, you've got your HD with CG effects and all that kind of stuff, and Doctor Who just has. Well, we pointed a videotape and a monitor forty years ago. That ought to that ought to do. Yeah, I mean, they lost some of those episodes. Um, we should be very uh, grateful that our I don't know who who was that CBS. NBC. NBC well, made the original versions, but then CBS bought the rights later when... It's a long story. It's way okay. too complicated. Yeah. All right. Well, they took care of their their episodes, whereas BBC was like, whatever, let's tape over all of this classic sci-fi. So I, I'd say we should be grateful just in general that they took care of them. So you've been watching the remastered versions? Whatever is on Netflix is what I watch. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure people have told me that the original series ones are the remastered. Yeah, with the CGI effects and, and whatnot. Have you, you haven't seen any of the original effects then? I don't think so. No? Okay. No. Right. Maybe I should They check might out. make you feel more at home. Ah. If you have Amazon Prime, they have the non-remastered effects if you want to, you know, skip through I an do. episode. I do. Maybe I'll watch Arena again. Yes. Arena doesn't have, well, the Gorn doesn't blink, but the Arena doesn't have very many effects. That's just the only one that I immediately want to rewatch. Well, that's good. Awesome. Yes. High five. Because <laughs> that episode is amazing. I love that episode. When I was watching it, um, I was kind of, because I'm real snarky with my tweeting. Um, and I think sometimes people think I'm just making fun of it, but I'm not. Uh, you know, I I truly enjoy the episodes. I just want to have fun with it, you know. Um, and Arena was one of those where I was super excited about it. And I was, like, really enjoying it. And I was like, maybe I should make it clear that I'm sincerely <laughs> enjoying this. Just, I, I loved the Gorn. I thought it was phenomenal. I mean, it's funny, obviously. But also, the, the message of the episode holds up and... It's it's really well paced and I enjoyed it very much. But then at the same time, it's hilarious. I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, I I I love that episode in a big bad way. I, I've I've often said that that's kind of like the quintessential episode of the original series. It has all of the elements which, you know, make it uh, the thing that people know it as, and it's really really solid. But I, it, the only thing it's missing is Kirk talking a computer to death and or shooting a computer to death. 
This which is, is which is my favorite cliche, which you've already yeah. seen a couple times in the, I have in the seen, first season. Yes, I was like, wait, so he just talked to it and it blew up and everybody just laughed at me because I guess that's a thing. But the first time it happened was, oh, what is that? It's like utopian society that, oh, it was the Landrew episode, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Return of the Archons. Yeah, that one. So he's talking to it and the computer's like, doesn't compute and just blows up. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Like, oh, okay. I love, that happened. I love reading the behind the scenes stuff because every time that somebody mentions doing that after that point, they're like, let's not do that. We did that in Return of the Archons. And then it's like, okay, we did that in Return of the Archons in Taste of Armageddon. And then it's like, okay, we did that in. <laughs> and then they just keep doing it. I don't I know. Man you... versus machine, I guess. The 60s were a scary time. <laughs> so, So you finished. The first season last night? Yes. Um, I did the last three episodes last night. Because I'm a procrastinator. It's how I roll. That's the way it works. But so so what were your thoughts? Like, what do you what do you feel is the the best episode of season one? Ooh, um, there are, I want to say four that really stood out as really, I, I very much enjoyed them. Um, Arena is one of those. Is it Balance of Terror? Mm -hmm. Is that the Romulan one? I really liked that one. City on the Edge of Forever. That was a good one. Good choice. Um, I And I loved that one the moment I heard the title. That's such a good classic sci-fi title. Um, kind of poetic, but yeah. Anyway, um, and then, hmm, what was the other one I was thinking? Of? Oh, the Naked, is it Naked Now? Naked Time. Naked Time. Naked Now is the one where Next Generation tried to uh, get off on the right foot and avoid being TOS by deliberately remaking a TOS episode. Very strange. I, I'd like to and hear I hated behind that the scenes. Episode. Yeah, that one had some problems in, in Next Generation, but the, the TOS episode is solid for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has Sulu run, running around greased up with a sword. I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. George Takei had a good time with that. I really enjoy the way Sulu just spends half his time grinning. Just a <laughs> huge grin on his face. There was the the city on the edge of forever. Um, there was, uh, you know, um, the console blew up and Sulu was injured. And um, McCoy, you know, gives him the hypo or whatever. And he wakes up from, like, being set on fire, basically, with this huge grin on his face. I'm like, only Sulu. Only Sulu would do that. Just... He's Big a happy smile. guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, those four episodes, I mean, maybe not Naked Time so much, but the other three, I would say, I mean, would you agree with this, Drew? Aside from maybe maybe throw Space Seed in the mix, like those are considered to be like the three best episodes of the first season. Oh, yeah. So you, you it, have good taste. <laughs> oh, I know that. You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> Space Seed, I. I saw it, but I, I just didn't connect with it. And it's one of those things where you can see why people like it. But for me, I just thought it was kind of over the top. There are a handful of scenes in Space Seed that I really liked. I really liked their dinner party scene um, mm -hmm. where Spock and Khan are basically like dueling with words. I, I mean, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, I really hated the female character and the way she was portrayed. Um, so that kind of heard a bit and then just in general not not a super fan it wasn't bad or anything i just didn't i just didn't connect with it i guess and, and mike i think for us a lot of space seed comes from knowledge of the future yes i i, I totally agree i mean i think we've talked about that before perhaps our our love for space seed as fans is not so much love for Space Seed, but love for something else. <laughs> love for Khan? I, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, something else. Something well, else. yeah, Space Seed definitely, um, the, and maybe this actually kind of contributed to me not liking it as much as I might have. Space Seed drew so much spoilers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I get that people get excited, but I mean, I spent half my time going, guys, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I love that one of the people that you flipped out on was Dave Rossi. 
<laughs> who who made all the who uh, produced all the visual effects that you were watching at that moment <laughs> and was was an associate producer on Enterprise. <laughs> I didn't know that. I know. At the time. I know and you could, and you shouldn't and you I just uh, thought it was but... really funny. <laughs> I still even if I had known yeah, he still should have known better. Dave Dave listens. He knows better. <laughs> We've had him on a few times. Yeah, at first he was like, whatever, spoilers. And then he was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so Balance of Terror Arena and City on the Edge of Forever. Now, I'm I'm particularly curious about City on the Edge of Forever. I mean, especially since you just watched it last night. It's like, you know, I mean, it. it's almost like, you know, the... the, the, the in terms of Star Trek, you know, the, the apes at the beginning of 2001 with the monolith. And it's like, <laughs> you, you just touched the monolith, you know, it's like nothing else is the same now. I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts on that, that episode? And like, did you know anything about it going into it or, or not? No idea. Um, when I tweeted that I was like, I'm, I'm moving on to this episode and the name title alone has me really excited for it. Cause as I said, I think it's a great title. And everybody was like immediately, best episode ever. You're going to love it. Woo. And I'm like, well, that's good. Yeah. Which I had a problem with because, you know, then it sets your expectations really high. And I, yeah. I feel like doing that might lower your enjoyment. So I just try to sit back and let it ride. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about that. Um, I I go into all of them. I mean, I, I remember when I watched The Inner Light for TNG, I did not like The Inner Light. <laughs> And everybody beforehand was like, you're going to love it. And so it doesn't really affect how I feel. Um, it's just fun to know that, you know, which ones are fan favorites. Um, in the, this case, I really, really loved it. Um, especially, I could tell it was going to be a superior episode right off the bat because the opening is so great. Um, and it's not it's not just that they had a lot of cool plot elements happen. I mean, a lot actually happens in that opening plot-wise. Um, but I just really love the little character moments that they sprinkle in. And that I think is, if you want to make a good piece of fiction, no matter what it is, you have to make sure, first of all, that people care about your characters. And I think sometimes, especially in sci-fi, um, writers get so excited about whatever plot-driven episode that they've written that they forget that, uh, first and foremost, it has to be about the people involved. And that opening really focused on the um, kind of the relationship between uh, Kirk and McCoy. I mean, McCoy immediately sasses him, which is my favorite. And then um, as soon as McCoy is in danger, you see Kirk like totally flip out, like really worried. That kind of relationship building is what makes you care about the plot, you know? So I just thought it was a really great opening and... First of all, McCoy's running around the whole episode, like screaming assassins, killers while looking totally crazy. One of my favorite things ever. I mean, it was so funny, but also McCoy is my favorite character. So I'm always not not super excited when my favorite characters are in danger. But in that case, I was like, I'm I'm worried about him. But also, this is hilarious. I mean, he's just so over the top. Great. <laughs> Especially at the very end of that opening, he rushes out into the elevator and just some poor guy's in the elevator and he's just like, assassins! And he just like throws him into the fridge. <laughs> I mean, imagine being that guy and all of a sudden the, you know, the main medical officer just runs in totally loony and hurls you out into the ground. I mean, that's, I just love thinking about it from that guy's perspective. What I love is that you're you're talking about stuff that the the original author of the episode, Harlan Ellison, he's a big sci-fi writer. He's complained for fifty years that you know everybody rewrote his script and they added these character beats, and he's just <laughs> like, "You've ruined my script, my beautiful, beautiful script." He wrote a really great like Twilight Zone, you know, one-off script, but uh, you know they had to make it Star Trek, and he's like, "You ruined my script," and then everybody says that he's crazy, and he's crazy. So, so it's really great that you're just like, ah, oh, man, it would be stupid if it didn't have all this stuff, because I agree with you completely. We've read the original sorry, script and talked sorry, about it on Sorry, Harlan here. Ellison, you are wrong. <laughs> don't don't tell him that. You're, you better hope he never hears this. No, um, 
they're actually uh, uh, they just announced that that original script, which which you can get, um, has they're basically adapting it into a comic book, which is coming out in, over the next few months, where it's going to be you know his version of the story just in in comic book form. Um, are you gonna Are you gonna read it and uh, and and see? It join the debate, this, the the <laughs> never ending city on the edge of forever debate. If I remember, I will. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we'll re- we'll remind you. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Once it's all bound together in a lovely little you know graphic novel edition, then yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really liked about that episode is Kirk's love interest actually didn't suck. <laughs> um, it's it's. I mean, anybody who follows me for any length of time knows that I'm a pretty hardcore feminist. So it was kind of hard, especially the first half of the season with before I kind of got used to the tone of the misogyny. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing that really bothered me is they felt like they had to have like it was almost like Bond girls. It's like (laughs) every episode you have a new uh cute girl that Kirk has in, and a relationship with um, for an episode and then you never see her again. Um, and for the most part, they were really silly. They didn't actually make sense for the episode. Um, they just kind of were there to look pretty. That really bothered me. Um, this was the first episode where the love interest actually had a reason to be there um, and added to the episode instead of detracting and just was a good character. She was smart and funny and interesting. Uh, all things that mostly uh, lacked in all of these one-off kind of Kirk love interest characters from before. So it actually makes it sad when, you know, you see the trap at the end of the episode, Kirk can't win. Um, it makes it that much more poignant that she's not just some pretty face. She's a person that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely kind of a a weak point in terms of the the original series is the the portrayal of women, but yeah, I guess that's I guess I don't know. I mean, part of that I guess is just kind of like 60s television and the fact that it was like a boys club, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely a product of its time. Mm-hmm. And one thing that makes it interesting for me is they're trying to portray the future, but they are still, you know, stuck in their time period mentality. So yeah. that kind of, it makes it an interesting kind of, because you can see them kind of trying. I mean, they have characters, like they'll have a character and make her an expert in psychology or something. Um, and make it seem like she's, you know, a smart professional woman. And then she's a total idiot mm. like mcgivers from uh mcgivers from space seed yeah yes exactly or um what's the episode where hmm dagger of the mind yeah the the character the woman character in that episode is supposed to be some sort of like expert on psychology and she's just a total she just does ridiculous things throughout the episode i don't even understand why she's there so, yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, for the most part, I, I, I try and, and be kind to them. Um, I know what they were trying to do, and sometimes they failed spectacularly, and I have to point <laughs> it out. But um, for the most part, I, I try and be forgiving. Yeah, sometimes, uh, like, I just finished reading, I finally finished reading Mark Cushman's uh, These Are the Voyages on, episode, on season one, and... Uh, one of the last things he said was that NBC, they said, you know, for next season, you're going to need to put more women in there. We don't care what they're doing. We just want more women on screen. But then then they'll try to do things like the alternative factor, which you just watched the other night um, with the, the crazy. That was last night with the crazy guy and, yeah, that, the, and that the other not quite not so crazy guy. Yeah. Originally, the uh, the black woman the engineer woman was going to fall in love with him and it was going to be more of a self-sacrifice kind of thing. John drew Barrymore was going to play the crazy guy, but then he read the script after they threw out the love story and he said, I'm not doing this. And he walked away. 
Yeah, and see that that's too bad because actually that that woman, I I didn't I don't think I mentioned it when I was tweeting, but I was thinking while I was watching, I'm like, wow, they actually have uh, a female character doing something that's not love interest related and not being a yeoman, just like wandering around and giving Kirk food, mm, um, coffee heated with a phaser. Yeah, exactly. She was actually like she was working with the dilithium crystals, as we know, very very important. They are awesome. Um, and I was actually, I should have mentioned that when I was tweeting, but I actually thought to myself, that's awesome. We finally have a crew member that, a female crew member that actually seems to have a job besides walking around in short skirts and handing Kirk things to sign. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad to see that that particular element did not um, make it in because that's just, at this point, having female crew members fall in love with the villain of the episode. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Well, I mean, I, I guess that in, in some ways, I guess that kind of leads to uh, a question that I had about um, the cage, you know, and, and sort of the original pilot. Now, did, did you watch the cage first or? I did not watch the cage. Okay. But you saw obviously, um, Menagerie. Menagerie, yeah. Yeah, I did. Which has it edited in there. Now, the original, you know, there you kind of get a taste of what the original concept for the show was, and one of the uh, elements that they had in there With was... With a female female um, first officer. Right. Yeah. Number yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. I loved that. Did did you what did you think about the cage in general? The the idea of this being what Star Trek could have been. Um I liked I liked the cage or not the cage. Um Menagerie. I liked that episode um pretty much. Uh I liked Spock kind of playing everyone. That was fun. <laughs> um I really hated like the end. I did not understand the end. Um like she turns out to be ugly and so she should stay forever on this yeah. planet. Like what? <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I loved you, but now you're ugly, so I agree that you should stay on this planet and be a guinea pig for these people to play with your mind." What? <laughs> and then now that he's ugly too, he gets to go back and they're like they go back and have I don't know, a love life together. <laughs> It's I, I think... weird because Menagerie has like the opposite moral of the story than the cage. They just used footage from it <laughs> to to like the ending is completely different for the cage. Well, then it must be better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think the idea, the, what what they were going for, I think, wasn't so much that they were ugly as that they were basically like incapacitated you know and then but the idea wasn't. was <laughs> i mean I, I don't know if she i, I see i wonder how much of that because since you only see what the telosians want you to see i wonder how much of that is in their minds or not i don't know it's weird <laughs> but i i don't know i i never really got that impression that they were like oh you're ugly you can't i, I don't know i i always thought it was sort of like like we cannot function but which is also kind of weird that's you know? that's also a huge problem from an yeah. ableism perspective sure yes i agree <laughs> yeah. we should just put everybody who's not okay i don't like that moral any better i guess <laughs> that's true that's true yeah it was 1964 i also don't understand why they couldn't have given captain pike like something better than a chair that lights up <laughs> That is a good question, you know, modern, future modern medicine being what it is, and some of the things that they do later on in the series, you know, and then you're just like, you couldn't, like, make it so that he could talk? Well, there is that episode where they make, um, what is that one? The one with Lurch, help me. Yeah, the, uh, um, what are little girls made of? Yes, that one, where they make a clone by putting Kirk... And like some paper mache on a like a merry-go-round and spinning it. Yes. So they 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 come up with that version of science, but they can't come up with anything better than blink one once for yes. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. 
I mean, it's science fiction. You can do whatever you want. Part, part of that was because they couldn't get the original Pike actor back. So they didn't want to, like, have him do his impression of, of Gary... No, not Gary Lockwood. Mike, Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah. So they, they brought in a kind of a look-alike and made him all beat up. But still, the beeping. They could have done better, like a robot voice or something. Voiced by Majel Barrett. Then it would be perfect. <laughs> See, and that's another thing that I hate is the original computer voice. Not, uh, 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 uh. Well, like, why can't they just... <laughs> it sounds exactly like an actor trying to sound like a robot, which is what it was. But, yeah, sorry. That's hey, just I guess- the... You know, the 60s, they were like, wow, this is really high tech. You know, of course they can't, you know, actually do a real voice. You know, it's going to sound like a robot, right? I mean, even that's a stretch. So I love the data cards. I don't think I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but I love the data cards, just the wood blocks that they shove into computers. Mm -hmm. And apparently they've got information on them. They're never labeled or anything. They're not like pads having a different Kindle for each. Yeah, you know, for each book you're reading, but you know they've just got a big piece of wood. It's like I've been reading this. Oh, okay, what is it? It's a red block. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that episode where apparently Spock tried to program the computer to have a personality, and it became female and started hitting on Kirk all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was terrible. That was Spock terrible was trying to fix it. Level. Spock was trying to fix it. They 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 tried to get the ship repaired. <laughs> It was Court Martial, I think. No, it wasn't. Court Martial was where they were originally going to do that idea. Mm. All I know is it disappoints me even more when Spock is misogynistic than the rest of the characters. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I know that's not fair. Um, but for some reason, when he says something that's really sexist, I, it bothers me more than when any other character does it because he's supposed to be logical, pure logic. <laughs> Yeah, and sexism isn't logical. <laughs> so, what do you think about the big three, the the three main characters? I love them. I was expecting to not like Kirk, um, or at least not be a huge fan of him, because uh, he is pretty broy um, in a lot of ways. Or at least I thought he was going to be, and then it turns out that um, his portrayal is a lot more thoughtful than I thought it would be. And um, turns out I really like him. Plus, I think he's super hot, which I was not <laughs> expecting, and which also kind of softens my feelings for him. Um, and then Spock, uh, all three of them, I, I would still say that McCoy is my favorite, but that's just because I like it when he is mean to everybody, and I think it's funny. <laughs> um, but I would say between the, the big three, I, I, I love them all. I think they're great, and I think that they're chemistry together is what makes that show amazing basically every interaction especially with spock and kirk i mean they'll have they'll have really long exposition scenes where they're basically just sitting around talking about the science because they can't really show the science it should be horribly boring and it's a little boring but the charisma of the actors and then also just their their chemistry together actually keeps it interesting. I think that's a that's pretty special. I wish that uh, we actually got more of the other characters, Scotty and Sulu. I love them, I, and I want Uhura to have something to do because um, I feel I feel like I would like her if they gave her anything to do. That would be nice. I'm hoping that that comes later. You have to wait about forty years for that one, but it'll come. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, it really was, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it it really was sort of, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the retroactively, all those other characters were kind of made a thing, but at the time they really were designed just to support the big three, you know, it's like, like the, the the only reason why why any of them are there is because they needed someone to to read you know this specific line of dialogue and there was never really an intent on the part of the the producers to to make them real characters you know which is yeah. maybe unfortunate but kind of the nature of sixties television as well and you can notice from the credits that it was like the the opening credits are always like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy 
and and it was Shatner first, and it was always going to be Shatner, but only after like they started airing episodes did they realize that more people actually liked Spock. Um, yeah. They got fan mails. Uh, Leonard Nimoy started getting more fan mail than anybody else, and making everybody jealous because everybody loves Spock. Um, but you'll be happy to know that it's not a spoiler, but the second season credits, uh, DeForest Kelly is added to the to the opening titles. Yay! So he becomes a you know credited character in terms of just your process i guess i mean like i i I see you on twitter and i see all these screen caps which are are really cool by the way because it's 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 interesting to see like the moments which you consider to be for lack of a better word iconic compared to the ones which everyone else does and and how you know the the overlap or the things which might be you know which you might put more emphasis on than others um but Every time I'm I'm reading it, I keep on thinking like, this must take her forever to watch an episode. Like, do you, like, how, how long does it take you to watch an episode of of Star Trek? It it doesn't take me very long actually. Um, it usually takes maybe about five five to ten minutes longer than a normal episode. Um, for the most part, I don't actually pause it. Um, I do everything within the moment. Um, I just have Trekcor up uh, on another screen, and it's it's actually pretty fast for me. Um, I did notice last night that it took me a lot longer to watch um, City on the Edge of Forever just because it was a great episode, and I had to keep pausing it to, to get... Because if there's a lot of, say, quotes that I want to capture the entire quote, um, that means I have to go find it and then put it in and I don't want to miss stuff for a, for a normal episode. I don't usually have to do that very often. So I can usually do it in the background of other stuff for a really cool episode. I sometimes have to pause it so I can kind of catch up. Mm -hmm. I would say about an hour. Okay. So you're using screencasts from Trek Corps. So are you ever, I mean, are, are you worried about spoiling yourself, like, by having the thing and seeing, like, maybe a shot that comes later on in the episode and, you know? I'm good at being focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also don't read the, um, like, the the blurbs on the episode um, that Netflix has up. Yeah. I don't read those. Um, I have... I have the IMDb quotes in another tab, um, and I just really... My eyes scan through them and then look for key words. Sometimes I find that um, the quote I think is amazing is not actually, has not actually been added to IMDb. And in that case, I have to rewind and use the, um, the closed captioning to really make sure I get all, all the words correct. Mm -hmm. But just in general, it's like my brain filters. The only thing that ever seems to uh, spoil me is actual ats. Um, where somebody tweets at me because um, another thing that somebody was worried about, they're like, you follow me and I talk about Star Trek all the time. I'm like, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, that doesn't, I, I just, as soon as I see it, my brain filters it and I move on. It's just when it's directed to me that I read it and go, Oh no, I should not have read that. <laughs> oh, well, it sounds like a good process. No, yeah, I hope so. Before you started, uh, I, I was going to do something similar. I mean, because I was like, I've never seen Next Generation. So I started doing that. And I found that I wanted to pay more attention to the episodes rather than, uh, you know, live tweeting them. Mm-hmm. What what made you want to live tweet them and, and do this? I mean, because you've got this system down. How long did it take you to come up with this and, and why? Well, I decided to live tweet them because I had held out on watching Star Trek for so long that it became kind of special when I finally decided to watch it. Um, because I I am a geek in so many other areas. Uh, Doctor Who, obviously, Buffy. Um, and I had decided, very consciously decided, not to watch Star Trek for a really long time. Um, and then when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to watch Star Trek, I wanted to, to do make it special somehow. And I was thinking about how much... I like it when somebody is watching something I love and I get to watch them watch it. Mm -hmm. 
and how it's almost like watching it for the first time. And so I just kind of thought that would be fun for people. Um, for probably the first mm, five or six episodes of TNG, I was finding screenshots online if I found them at all. Um, and then one of my followers um, turned me on to TrekCore. And as soon as I had that, I would say it's been pretty consistent from the beginning on how I do it. It just, as soon as I found that resource, it kind of took off with the the screenshots. It's interesting that you say you like it. I had some, I, I got put on Reddit. Okay. For um, like Reddit, Star Trek. Um, I don't go on Reddit. And one of my friends put me on there and immediately got maybe 250 followers all at once, um, which was awesome, right? But also overwhelming. And now that I ha- I'm, I'm kind of close to 600 now, now that I have so many followers, um, I get a lot more uh, complaints. Um, people are like, why do you do this? You should do this instead or... Um, you should tweet it like that, or the screenshots take too long. You should, we've all seen them. You should just move on and, and, and go as fast as possible. I'm like, why? It's not about fast. It doesn't bother me if it takes me a little longer to watch the episode. It's just interesting to, to get so much feedback all of a sudden, um, it kind of blew up. No, the screenshots really, you know, help make it because for those people, those of us who are, you know, stuck at work or whatever, it really is kind of like we get to watch the episode with you, you know? Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I do it. And also sometimes I'm reacting to a very specific moment mm-hmm. and I want to capture that moment. So uh, don't worry, I'm not going to change my process for anyone. Okay. <laughs> like if you don't like how I tweet, there is a very simple solution. You can unfollow me and then you'll never have to think about it again. <laughs> so I'd be interested if somebody, uh, takes your you know episode recap basically what you're doing is recapping the episode as you watch it it'd mm-hmm. be interesting too for someone to like put those on a site like just your tweets for this episode in in order when i first started i didn't think it was gonna be a thing and now that kind of is a thing i kind of wish i had gone back and like maybe done a a tumblr or something um I don't know, uh, just to collect all of the tweets in one place. So, cause sometimes I get people and they're like, Oh, I missed it. You know? Um, and yeah, you can scroll down my Twitter feed and find the episode that you missed and read it, but it's kind of difficult and t- Twitter won't let you, um, go very far. Well, they'll let you go pretty far, but they won't let you go all the way. Um, so it'd be kind of nice to just have each episode, all of the tweets in one place. But then when I think about doing it, like going back to the beginning and like doing that, it just is so much work. Um, I might, I might do it at some point. The longer I wait to do it, the more difficult of a project it'll be. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's something that I have thought about. Um, I have collected some of my favorite tweets um, just so I have them at hand. Um, I had a website ask me for my favorite tweets and it took me so long to go through my feed and find them that I just keep that, you know, just keep it ongoing so I can kind of have that at hand the next time somebody asks me. It's something I have considered. It's just a little bit too time consuming. If somebody wants to pay me to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> so so what are you, uh, I mean, I, I guess this is going to sound weird because you don't, probably don't have any, but do you have any expectations for season two and beyond? Is there anything that, that maybe people might have let slip where you're like, ooh, I'm looking forward to that or, ooh, this check is going to be a check off? Okay. Um, that's about it. That's and I was looking, I was looking forward to check off anyway, um, before people started tweeting me that because I have seen Star Trek, mm-hmm. the rebooted movie. So I do have kind of a, I had more of a sense of the characters going into, um, TOS than I did TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed Chekhov in the movie. So when I first started, I was kind of like in my mind, I was like, where's Chekhov? So I guess he's going to be in the second season. I'm looking forward to that. 
has anyone sort of uh, tipped you as to maybe uh, how the quality goes either up or down in later seasons of the show? Um, not that I can think of. Okay, cool. With TNG, it was uh, people would always tell me to just skip the first two seasons. <laughs> it's true. That is a true statement. Uh, but I can't. No, I'm never going to skip anything, including Enterprise. Which isn't bad, by the no, way. No, it's not. It's not as bad as, as... It's coming into its own. People are finally starting to appreciate it. Oh, that's good. The haters are are not hating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I People tell me to skip things, and I'm like, I'm not ever going to skip anything, so... No, sorry. you can't. You can't. I mean, that's the whole point of this, is to exactly. you know, see what someone who knows nothing about it thinks about you know this stuff, you know, going into it blind, going into it the way you should, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen the Next Generation movies, so I'm looking forward to after the original series movies, watching the Next Generation movies and getting back to my kind of original crew. That's, <laughs> that's something I'm looking forward to. So, so where can people find you on the internet? What, what is the, the I don't think we, did, if we actually said what the, the Twitter handle is at the beginning and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's at first time track. Um, and it's pretty easy to, to see that it's me. Um, right now I have a nice big picture of Captain Kirk as my avatar. So, um, and then um, as soon as I move on to the next one, it'll be, uh, let's see, that's going to be DS9. So that's what Cisco. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. The Cisco. He's pretty cool. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to Janeway. Yeah. Cause I want a lady captain. I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like Voyager. I like Voyager too. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, and I hope that uh, you come back maybe when you're done with season two, and we'll we'll get your impressions on it. Uh, yeah, totally, always. I love to talk. <laughs> Anybody who gives me a platform to talk is is welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's, it's it's really it's really cool to see someone you know, like you were saying, you know, see someone watch your favorite show for the first time. It's great. Yeah, it just kind of gives you a fresh impression. Um, I think people, especially in the Trek universe, they have gone so deep into it in a lot of ways that it's kind of nice to go back to the beginning, if that makes sense. And like the um, the original impressions that people had while watching it. And I think that uh, a lot of my followers tell me that they they love seeing those moments that really blew their mind, they love seeing it blow my mind. So yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing it. It's, it's worth it. Trust us. Yes. I'm enjoying myself greatly. So it's a, it's a good time. It's been fun talking with Andy today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Where no man has gone before, comic versus episode. They talk about how we just picked up this psychiatrist from uh, from Alderbon. Alder... Shoot. Alderon. Let's just call it Alderon. Earl Grey. All good things. In a universe where Troy is dead... The Enterprise D lives on. That's all I want to say. It's the only thing that matters. The Ready Room. Simple Defense. Ducat recorded messages, obviously, for a lot of different um, scenarios. Isn't it funny to think of him, like, you know, whatever, 10 years before this episode, like, yeah. you know, putting a day aside. It's like, I have to do, I have to sit in front of a camera <laughs> and just think of ways they could screw us. The Orb. Till death do us part. His are, are, are very quizzical in nature. They, they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who, who is willing to accept, okay, where, what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like, she, right. she, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey! Voyager Season 4 Marathon. I was working full-time on top of being a full-time student, and I... Listen, I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses, okay? I don't want to hear them. <laughs> 
like life was happening and a great man once told me if something's important to you you make the time warp five organians on enterprise part of what this episode of enterprise is about for me is it's the search for the organian society to to find compassion again commentary trek stars Riffball and the X Files, Bad Blood. It's actually kind of odd because the audience can piece together the narrative flow better than, you know, their boss. That's because their boss didn't have the, uh, the brilliant direction of Cliff Bowl to uh, observe. Literary Treks. Greg Cox, No Time Like the Past. The one thing I had to be very careful of, and this was another sort of potential minefield that I had to navigate, was. Nobody in Kirk's time knows who the Borg are. So she can't like, oh, hi, I'm seven of nine. I'm a former Borg. You know, they don't know the Borg. She has to be careful not to tell them the Borg. And introducing Continuing Mission, our newest show all about fan series and independent productions. Star Trek continues with Doug Drexler. Everybody who does a Star Trek show in CG, the first thing they do is make the ship 947 feet long. Well, there's no way it's going to look the same because the ship that they shot on television wasn't 2,000 feet long. It was 11 feet long. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. We've got some uh, listener mail. This one is from Brad Alexander in Virginia. He says, hey guys, great podcast. I just recently started listening, having come over from The Orb. DS9 and TOS are my favorite series of Trek. I really enjoyed your coverage of the Enterprise. I've always considered the ships as characters. I was saddened almost as much by the death of the Enterprise in Star Trek III as I was by the death of Spock in Star Trek II. I'm, I'm with him there. As for my favorite ships in Star Trek, I would say it's a tie between the Enterprise Refit slash Enterprise A and the Defiant, followed by the TOS Enterprise. I'm really not a fan of the J.J. Abrams Enterprise. The curved nacelles and the weirdness of the proportions of the ship just irritate me. I believe it's in the original technical manual. The Constitution-class heavy cruiser was approximately the same size as an American aircraft carrier, roughly 1,000 feet long. The Abrams Prize is something over twice that size with a brewery for an engine room. The only things that I consider design flaws are that generally, being warships, ship designers should probably bury the bridge deep inside the ship instead of out there on top. Especially since view screens are fed by sensors or cameras and are not just windows. That would keep an enemy from being able to target the bridge and command crew without doing appreciable damage to the rest of the ship. So if I were designing the Enterprise, I would have put the bridge in the center of the saucer section. The second point is I would always have a crew and auxiliary control battle bridge. That would, among other things, keep space hippies from taking over your ship. I don't know if you ever read those books, The Nitpicker's Guide for... (laughs) Classic Trekkers. I've got it sitting on my shelf. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, in those, you know, he talks about, you know, how, like, the, the the placement of the bridge is ridiculous. You know, essentially, the bridge is like a hood ornament. And, you know, how they, <laughs> it should really be where, like, the battle bridge is. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah Gene wanted them out on top. It was one of the rules. Yeah. For some reason. Mm. But in the JJ version makes sense now because it's a window for some so. reason. Yeah. I guess it means if power is knocked out, you can still see where you're going. Which is helpful. Which is helpful. Brad continues, I'm a big fan of David Weber's Honor Harrington series. While I'm still a huge fan of Trek, I think Weber's HH universe, the Honorverse, as Star Trek done right. The way of interstellar space travel and ship combat seem to make more sense there. For instance, ships rarely meet in the vastness of interstellar space, let alone fight there. 99% of all battles occur within the hyperlimit of a star, which is where just about everything one would want to fight for would be. Anyway, keep up the great podcast. Yeah, and, and thanks thanks for listening. I'm glad that someone uh, uh, came over from Deep Space Nine to to, to slum it with us TOS guys. <laughs> <laughs> we also got a message about inter- the, our Enterprise episode from Chris Baca, the CB Spock. And he says, an interesting show about the design of the Enterprise. I like the way the ship looks in the original series, but my favorite is the refit from the motion picture. The first time seeing it on the big screen in 79 with the inspection tour was really cool. 
I did like how the remastered version of the series incorporated some of the shot styles from the movie into the series. As to the JJ prize, it just looks odd. The dorsal neck is in the wrong place, and it needs to be moved forward onto the secondary hull to make it more like the series slash refit. The warp nacelles are pretty cool since they put the fan effect back into the caps, something missing from all the other designs. I never really liked how the plain red glow of the Enterprise D. As to the bridge design of the JJ Prize, I like the consoles. They used the butterfly layout of the buttons that the original Enterprise had. The sound design is very original series, and I do like the view screen as a window with a HUD display. Engineering, on the other hand, needs to be completely rethought for Star Trek Three. It looks too big for the ship, and the piping just looks out of place. That was very technical, CB. I don't know what you were talking about, but I agree because it sounds like you definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> he wants it to be more like the refit, and I can't blame him. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what a secondary hole and a dorsal fin and a butterfly wing <laughs> thing is, but you sold me, though. If you'd like to uh, wow Mike with your uh, technical knowledge, you can contact us at trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using a webcam's microphone, and we'll just play it and save some time so I don't have to stumble over your words for you. <laughs> or you can talk to us and our other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars with uh, my friend Max. And you can also find me and Max on commentarytrackstars.com where we do commentary Trek Stars off topic with my friend Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. You can find me in various places on the internet. I recently recorded a Jaws commentary, which should be out, uh, with Tisto, which you can find at tysto.com. Yeah. And Tisto, he knows his stuff. Have you listened to his Empire Strikes Back commentary? No, it's too far back in the RSS feed for me to pull it up. I did listen to his uh, Return of the Jedi, though. Okay. His Empire Strikes Back is one of the best analyses of that movie I've ever heard. I really want to hear his commentary on Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> that just seems like it would be a fun commentary. <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us to bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everybody this week? Well, you know, um, I know that you and your wife recently watched the greatest movie ever made, Boogie Nights, and that uh, perhaps... Um, Perhaps it's, it's it's genius was lost genius. on us. Well, it, it, no, it it takes time. It, it, it's it's like you need to nurture it and grow it. When I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's a good movie." I don't really see how it fits together. And then I watched it again and again and again, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this really is the greatest movie ever made." Um, but you know, if that may not have been your cup of tea, Paul Thomas Anderson has another movie coming out. Uh, this December, called Inherent Vice, which may be a return to his Boogie Nights uh, style and fun and everything like that. So um, I want you to be prepared for that one, right? So you can get the novel Inherent Vice, which was written by Thomas Pynchon, for free on audible.com, since you're a listener. And it involves Star Trek because it takes place in the 60s, and there's actually a flashback in which the main character meets someone at a protest outside of Paramount in a, with a group of fans trying to keep the original series on the air. Wow. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's the making of Star the beginnings of a making of Star Trek movie that we've been wanting? Maybe. Yeah, you know. 
Here's here's the uh, the description. It's been a while since Doc Sportello has seen his ex-girlfriend. Suddenly, out of nowhere, she shows up with a story about a plot to kidnap a billionaire land developer whom she just happens to be in love with. Easy for her to say. It's the tail end of the psychedelic 60s in L.A., and Doc knows that love is another of those words going around at the moment like trip or groovy, except that this one usually leads to trouble. Ooh. Yeah. I actually <laughs> I actually got when I started up my audible.com subscription, this was the book that I got for free. Wow. Yeah. So if, if you want to follow in Mike's footsteps, you can uh get a free audiobook, uh that particular one, uh Inherit Vice. Uh you can get that or anything else along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. Yeah. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by donating directly to the site. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like and what format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you every week. That was really fun talking with Andy. I, I look forward to hearing from her again. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, season two for sure. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir. You just uh, you you literally talked your computer to death, just like <laughs> Captain Kirk. Oh my God, I'm a hero.